the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. We've been looking at foundations. You can build on. Come with me to the book of Psalm 11, verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous... Oh, let's see it. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous... Okay, it, it is key that we capture that. He didn't say, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the unbeliever do? He says, what can the righteous do? And we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And so there are certain foundations we want to build our lives upon in order to realize uh, God's purposes and plans for our lives. It's always, always, always important that you appreciate the place of foundations. Somebody say foundations. Yeah, foundations cannot be ignored. Foundations cannot be destroyed. Foundations have to be laid, and they have to be laid with all sense of devotion, seriousness, and dedication. Why? Because foundations are critical for our lives. The Bible says, if your foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10 to 15. By the grace of God, which has been given me, and this is our year of grace, so grace is ours. Somebody say, grace is mine. Grace is mine. Say, grace is mine. Grace is, mine. Grace is working in me. Grace is working for me. Grace is working around me. I breathe grace. I impart grace. I'm an epitome of grace. I'm decorated with grace. I'm beautified by grace. In the name of Jesus. Alright, so he said by the grace. First Corinthians 3.10, please. By the grace given me. I laid the foundation. I was a wise master builder. Someone is building on it. On it, please take note, but each one should build with care, for no one can lay any other foundation other than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work shall be shown forth. So he talks about the fact that there's a foundation that we need to build on. Look at the priceless uh, things people used to build. People use gold to build. People use uh, uh, silver to build. But everybody is building on the foundation. And whether you use gold or silver, if the foundations are not good, you can be sure that your silver will not matter, your gold will not matter. That's why foundation is very important. Everything we do, foundation is key. And not all foundations are sure foundations. Like we see in scripture, God's word makes it very clear that there's a sure foundation, which is the one the Lord laid. The foundation of the law stands sure. In other words, every other foundation may not be sure. 
Every other foundation may be shaky, but God's foundation is sure. Somebody say God's foundation is sure. Uh, so, those are the foundations we are sharing in these series of teachings. I'm sharing foundations which are sure foundations. I'm sharing foundations which are tried foundations. I'm sharing uh, foundations which are timeless foundations. And these are foundations for the righteous. Somebody say for the righteous. Uh, so, I'm not talking about foundations for unbelievers. It's always, always, always important that we appreciate this. What I'm sharing with are not things that unbelievers can appreciate. The Bible said the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So you have to always understand that there are things that are given to us who know Christ. They are revelations. He said unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, how the kingdom of God works. How the kingdom of God unfolds. It is giving you to know, but unto them which are without. All of these are done in parables. So when unbelievers come criticizing us, they come insulting us, they come castigating on some of the things we believe, that some of the things we practice, you don't have to join them in ignorance and sometimes in foolishness to make those same statements they make because they are ignorant. They are without light. Are you with me here? Those of us who are with light, we operate differently. Sometimes it's amazing. People can stand and uh, make all sorts of statements. Elon Musk, he doesn't pay tight. He's doing well. Uh, Bill Gates, he doesn't pay tight. He's doing well. Those are people who are simpletons. Those are statements from simpletons. They are shallow in their understanding. And sometimes you, we can even dare to question the authenticity of their salvation because they, they don't seem to understand what they are talking about. How dare you compare one who is born again with Elon Musk? You think you're on the same level? No. No. You don't understand the value and the place of salvation. How do you compare a Christian, one who is saved, with the gate, who is not saved? You see, your value is uh, shallow. You see wealth and money as the ultimate. But the person who is born again, <laughs> he is priceless because the silver that he was not saved with silver or gold, which maybe the gate or Elomas may have it in abundance, but he was saved with the priceless, uh, spotless blood of Christ. That is what determines his value. Are you with me here? Yeah, that's it. That's it. I, I have respect for people and I respect all people. And you must learn to respect all people. But listen. There are people who demands and deserves greater and double respect in your sight if you are spiritual. Spiritual people honor spiritual relationships. So don't talk like an unbeliever. The way you talk always is a reflection of the state of your mind. The way you talk, out of the abundance of the mind, the mouth will speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. When you are ignorant in your mind, when you speak, it will show. So Proverbs talks about two things. He says, answer not a fool, lest you be like him. And then other times he says, answer a fool, lest he will be considered wise in his own eyes. So there's a time you answer a fool, there's a time you ignore a fool. And sometimes when you ignore a fool, his foolishness is magnified. Yeah, you, you let him really know. It's like somebody has uh, drive uh, in a bad manner in front of you and... He, he, instead of saying sorry, he's also insulting and doing all kinds of things. And if you are very 
self-control. You allow self-control, the fruit of the spirit to manifest, and you just look at him and you move on. People will look at him and it's like he's still talking. Most of the time, you see that when somebody is get angry, very angry, and he's talking rubbish, and you don't talk, then they get agitated more. Then they'll be speaking a lot of foolishness. And when people are around, it becomes obvious that this is a big fool. That's why sometimes you, you just need to learn to be silent. It's not everything you must give a response on. Are you with me here? Today, I'm talking about one of those foundations. We're talking about the foundation of the word of God. We're talking about the foundation of Christ, which I couldn't really exhaust last week. Today, I want to talk about a third foundation, which is very critical, very, very, very critical for success, for progress, and for your well-being as far as life here on earth is concerned. When you learn to honor this principle, you will do well in life. I have seen and I've watched through life. Everyone who has honored this, everyone who has worked his life, built his life with this value and virtue, they have always made progress. Sometimes it looks like they are slow, but they always make it. They always end up as superstars. They always end up becoming distinguished. They always end up with God's blessing on their lives. What am I talking about this morning? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. And I'm doing it in two parts. Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord that is. Accept their guidance and discipline as his representatives. For this is right. For obedience teaches wisdom and obedience teaches what? Self-discipline. Verse 2. He says, honor, esteem, and value as precious your father and your mother and be respectful to them. This is the first commandment with a promise. So when he says this is the first commandment with a promise, he's speaking directly with uh, Exodus 20 in mind. That is what he's speaking with. Because that's where he gave 10 commandments. And one of them had a promise. And this was the one that had a promise. The honor code comes with a promise. It's guaranteed. What is the promise? That it may be well so that it may be well with you and that you have a long life on the earth. Do you know that you can have money and it's still not well with you? That's why it's absurd when a believer is talking like, like those things. Yeah, because <laughs> poor people see money as ultimate. Poor people, they see money as their ultimate. If I get money, all my problems will be solved. I bet you, when you get more money, all your problems will start. They will, all your problems will start. Money don't solve all our problems. If you have problems and you don't solve them, wisdom solves all our problems, not money. Are you with me here? Wisdom. That's why you must have value for wisdom. And there is no superior wisdom on the earth, Pastor James, other than God's wisdom. The ultimate wisdom is God's wisdom. The ultimate wisdom. Ignore it and you live a frustrated life. Value it, esteem it, cherish it, and you go so far in life. Also, take your seat. Money doesn't. Money doesn't. Praise the Lord. And you need to get that straight. All right? I'm teaching this morning on the foundation of honor. Somebody say the foundation of honor. The foundation of honor is very critical for a life of success, prosperity, and longevity. It is foundational if you must live a life of success. And by the way, when I say success, don't think the way the world thinks. I have done a teaching on success where I distinguish good success from bad success. 
The Bible clearly outlines that there's good success and there's bad success. And as a believer, you have to understand that. Value and understand success from God's perspective, not from the world's viewpoint. There's a way the world measures success. There's a way the world values success. The, va- the, the, the way the, the world measures success is in things. That's it. But God does not value success the same way. God values success in terms of value addition to his kingdom and in eternity. That's how God values success. God values success by asking himself what he gave you and what you've done with it. It's faithfulness in stewardship. That is God's test for success. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. That's all. Thou have been good. Well done, good and faithful what? Good and faithful what? Yeah, he didn't say you are, you are successful because when he said you've been good and faithful. Why would he say you are good and faithful? It means he's measuring your success by what he gave you and what you did with it. That's how God measures our success. That's why you can't compare the success of two people. I, I look at this pastor and it looks like he's greater than this one because you don't understand what they have been given. This one, because of his car, he's better than this one. Oh, how poor you are in your mind. Yeah, that's not how God works. So, I'm looking at the foundation of honor. To honor is to show great respect or reverence by your attitude or disposition towards a person or a thing. That's what it means to honor, to show great reverence, great respect by your attitude and disposition towards a person or a thing. That is what it means to honor. The word honor in the Greek comes from a word which is translated as certain value on. Putting a price tag on. So when we honor something or someone, we put a price tag on it. We put a price tag on it. If you have Kantanka phone and you have iPhone, the prices are not the same. Because one carries heavy price. There's value. So to honor is to set value on a thing, a person, or a thing, of course. To honor number two is to treat as special or valuable. To treat as special or valuable. When you treat something as valuable or special, you honor the thing. When you honor God's God, you, you treat him as some, someone precious and valuable. When you honor God's people, you do the same. When you honor God's presence, you do the same. Honor is very, very important. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 10. The Bible says, love one another with brotherly affection and I'll do one another in showing honor. So, honor is an important kingdom virtue. Somebody say, honor is an important kingdom virtue. If there is one subject that is talked about consistently from the old to the new, it's honor. Foundational. All the epistles, they always have something to say about honor. Scripture gives us a roll call of honor. There's a roll call of honor in God's kingdom. What's the roll call? Romans chapter 13 verse 7. Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Alright. Customs to whom customs is due. Fear to whom fear is due. Honor to whom honor. Do you see that? So there is a roll call. There are people that honor should be given. Honor uh, tax should be given. We pay taxes to uh, 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 Ghana Revenue Service. Then we give honor to certain people. And the Bible says render unto all men their due. Whatever anybody deserves, you give it to the person. If a person is Caesar, you give to Caesar what Caesar deserves. If it is to God, you give to God what God deserves. And so honor. What's the role call of honor in God's kingdom? We have a couple of them, but I will touch on one. I will zero in on one principally today, and I will continue the same next week. 
The first one is God's honor. Honor God. The roll call begins with God. Somebody say God. That's where I start from. The roll call begins with God. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. Number two, honor spiritual leaders. Somebody say honor spiritual leaders. Okay, honor your spiritual leaders. Honor your spiritual leaders. Okay, so 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. It says, let the elders who direct the affairs of the church be counted worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. So you honor your spiritual leaders. And then number three, honor your fellow believers. Honor your what? Honor your fellow believers. Don't talk to a member of the church as if he's nobody. I know you drive a Mercedes. I know that person came with trotro, but listen, you better show honor to that person. Don't look down on somebody because of the way he dressed and is in church. You better respect and honor that person because God doesn't look at us and assesses us by reason of the car we drove to check, the house we live, the area we stay, and all of those things. That's not his measurement. What God uses to measure us and our wealth is the blood of Christ. And the last time I checked, the same blood that was shed to save the intellectual is the same blood that saved the illiterate. The same blood that saved the rich person, the one who has a car and the one who doesn't have a car, is the same blood. So if the blood is our leveler, if the blood is the ground upon which all of us are rated before God, then each of us deserves honor. Can somebody say an amen? Yeah. Yes, so you need to learn to respect people in church. Respect ushers. Respect those who, use, who take care of a restroom. You go there, the place is nice and it's done decently. When you use it, when you finish, if you have honor for yourself and for the people, you set the place up neatly before you leave the place. That is a person who has honor. When you have honor, every time I use a washroom, I check it out and I clean it up when I'm done. Home and anywhere I go. Because I honor myself and I honor the person who will come and use it after me. You don't do it, mess up the place, and then you walk out. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor issue. You don't have honor for yourself. Neither do you have honor for the people who are here. You honor the people who are the car park. You came with the car. Somebody is helping you park your car. And it's proper that you respect and honor him. It doesn't mean that he has no car. Am I communicating here? So learn to honor people. Treat people. And I'm talking about church. Because a lot of people are in church who have little or little or no regard. You go to the office, you honor your boss, you come to church, and you don't honor the members in the church. I can't talk to a church member anyhow. I can't insult the congregation anyhow because you guys are precious and you have been bought with the precious blood of Christ. That's how we see value. You see, when you see value in people, you honor them. When you see value in people, you honor them. But when you see that, you think that they don't have value. That's when you talk to them anyhow. You see value in your boss, so you honor him. Number four, honor your natural parents. Honor your natural parents. And if you look at the way I'm presenting it, I'm presenting it in a very spiritual way. You can look at it from a hierarchical point of view because that's what it is. When you are born of the spirit, you live in the spirit. And so we have values like that. You honor your natural parents. Your honor begins with God. You follow it up with your spiritual leaders. You follow it up with your fellow believers. Then you come to the natural level. Somebody say the natural level. It is so sad that even among Christians, our honor level begins from the natural. Yeah, we honor natural people and we don't have honor for spiritual things. It shows that you are born again, but your mind is not renewed. Yeah, that's where it starts from. Honor, 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 honor God. Honor God. Honor your natural parents. 
The Bible says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long. It should never happen that you stood in front of your mom and you exchanged heated arguments, words of insult. It is not right. Somebody say it's not right. It's not Christian. It's not Christ-like. It's ungodly. And it doesn't bring the blessing of God on your life. Now, listen. The reference I began teaching with, he says, honor your parents and it will be well with you. Now, imagine this. If your natural parents were created by God, when if you honor them, if it will go well with you and you will live long, imagine when you honor God. Yeah. Imagine when you honor God. There are people who have done well for themselves and are doing well in life simply because they have learned the principle of honoring their natural parents. But they have put a cap or a ceiling on how far they can go because they don't have regard for God. For his law. And by all probability, if you have learned to honor rightly and properly God, you will learn to honor people well. Yeah, you will learn to honor people well. Honor your natural parents, honor the elderly and honor the aged. Honor the elderly or honor the aged. That's number five. The Bible said you will arrive before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear God, for I am the Lord. So you have to learn to honor the elderly or the aged. Respect people who are older than you. I'm not communicating somebody. Yeah, respect. Even if it's one month older than you, respect the person. Honor the person. He's older. Honor the aged. We live in an age where there isn't so much honor for the aged and the elderly. People will just pick up uh, anybody of significance and prominence and they will just diss the person on social media. Social media has made us so much careless with vital principles for life. You pick uh, somebody like uh, uh, this uh, gentleman, Trini Jonas, and he's insulting everybody. And people are liking it. And there's somebody who is on his way to destruction. Sooner or later, you see, you can fight a just cause with a just means. And you can find a just cause in an unjust ways. And when you use an unjust ways to fight a just cause, it becomes an unjust thing. Am I communicating here? Very, very important. Very important. People like Martin Luther were strong activists. Strong activists. And they campaigned for change. And they have seen the change much earlier than they actually expected. I don't think that Martin Luther King felt that after, uh, what do you call it, about 50 years or so, less than 100 years of civil uh, rights, uh, America can see a black man in the White House. But it happened. And they did it without recourse to all kinds of things. Nelson Mandela kept the integrity of South Africa together because he understood the principle of honor. People molested him, treated him, despised him. What he had power and could do anything. He decided to honor the people. He honored the people. He honored whites and blacks. That's why South Africa is together. But for the principle of honor, the whole nation would have been in chaos. Am I communicating here? Honor is critical. It's very, very vital. And then, of course, you have to honor your spouse. Somebody say, honor your spouse. Yeah, you have to honor your spouse. And this is uh, in both ways. A husband must honor. The Bible says, however, let each one, that is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, let each one uh, uh, love your own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is very specific. So, there's supposed to be a reciprocity when it comes to honor in the home. But even, I tell wives all the time, even when your husband loses his school and he insults you, hey, don't insult him back. It is not right for a husband to insult, but it's worse for a woman to respond with insults to her husband under any circumstance. Am I communicating? Yeah. 
it, it, it devalues who you are as a wife. Am I communicating here? Yeah. Everybody must be honored. The Bible talks about this specifically. You see, the husband has a responsibility of loving the wife no matter what. The wife has a responsibility of honoring the husband no matter what. And then, as believers, we all have the responsibility of honoring one another. I tell couples all the time, there are three levels of relationships you have. You have a relationship with your spouse as your sister. My wife is my sister because we are both children of God. So she's my sister. My wife is my wife. She's my lover because we are not from the same parents in the natural. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Uh, spiritually, we are siblings. And then you have, the, you, are, you, you have the relationship of that of a lover. Siblings. So we are siblings in Christ. We are siblings. We are lovers because we are from the different. And then we are friends. And if you are able to maintain these three levels of relationships, your relationship will work. There are some relationships is just so dry. There is no teasing. Uh, the moment you tease, no, the wife is there. Too rigid. That's why you are not happy. You think it's a demon. It's not a demon. Learn to happy yourself. I'm not communicating. Allow yourself to be teased more. It won't make any difference. Yeah. Watch some of Okala and this thing and play that character in your home. Relax your home. Relax your children. And you, everything will be fine. There's no demon. Number seven. Kings and civil or civic leaders. Kings, rulers, and civic leaders. The president deserves honor. Parliamentarians deserve honor. We may not agree with everything they do, but we have a responsibility to honor the masters. Your boss at your place of work, he deserves honor. You have to honor your boss. The Bible says that we must obey our masters and we should honor them with deep respect. And then, of course, the Bible says we should honor everyone. Somebody say everyone. everyone. Say everyone. everyone. The Bible says we should honor everyone. You see that honor actually is supposed to be your way of life. If you are to honor everyone, then you have to develop honor as a discipline for life, as a way of life. That's the only way you can honor everyone. There are some people that are very selective in who they honor. When they see pastor, because of where I am, even the pastor is because I'm the leader, uh, founder, and general overseer of the church. The way you honor me is different from when you meet Pastor Pei, when you meet Pastor Ray, when you meet one of the cell leaders. The same, you see, is because you don't understand the protocol. Are you with me? Honor everyone. Honor everyone. Honor everyone. Today, we're looking at honoring God. Somebody say honoring God. Now, you have to understand that God deserves honor and God demands honor. Somebody say, God deserves honor. God, deserves God demands honor. honor. Yeah, he deserves honor because he created all things for himself and by his pleasure they exist and will continue to exist. He demands honor because he owns us. We owe our life to him. He said, you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Honor God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. In the book of Malachi, chapter 1 and verse 6, he said, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I be a father, where is my... Where is my... So we honor God as a father. When you are born again, he said, you are your father, you are of your father, the devil. And the last of your father you will do because he is sinner from the beginning and continues to do the same. But if you are born again, you are not of your father, the devil. You are of your father, God Almighty. God is your father. And so you demonstrate honor to God. That's, that's honor. We honor God in different ways. There are several ways we honor God. I simply don't have the liberty of time to exhaust it. But we honor God in different, different ways. Even when you learn to brush your teeth three times a day or two times a day, you are honoring God. When you refuse 
to wear a very dirty underwear. Repeat it three times, you are honoring God. Oh, you think I'm joking? I am able to support, I have a memory verse to support everything I'm telling you. When you learn to eat, when you must eat. Yeah. You eat, and after 8 p.m., after 9 p.m., you are not eating again. You are honoring God. <laughs> you, are not, you are honoring God. I'm not communicating here. Yeah. But some of us, there's no time limit to when we eat. We can eat any time. We call on God. Listen, <laughs> you don't honor your body. Learn to honor God. Praise the Lord. But one important way we honor God is through giving. Somebody say giving. Yeah. One important way we honor God. Look at Malachi chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. He said, A son honored his father and a servant his master. If I then be a father, where is my honor? If I be a master, where is my fear? Say the Lord of hosts. Unto the priest that despised my name. He said, Why have you despised your name? He said, You offer, you offer. Somebody say, You offer. Oh. You offer polluted bread upon my altar. And you say, Wherein have you polluted thee? In that you say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. Then he says, If you offer the blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Would they be pleased with you? Accept that person. Say, in the Lord of hosts. Now, please take note. Would they be pleased with you or accept thy person? Accept thy person. This is the last book of the Bible. Take note. This is the last book of the Bible. The Holy Spirit did not just utter the Bible, but he actually arranged for its setting in a very systematic way. The last book of the Bible. The first book of the Bible, Genesis, talks about God rejecting a person because of how the person brought something. The last book of the Old Testament is saying the same thing. He said, would they be pleased with you or accept your person? What we give to God is a reflection of the honor we have for him. It's a reflection of the value we have for him. That is what we do. We always give that which is valuable and precious to people we honor. Somebody, that which is valuable and precious. So when you are giving something, a clothes out to somebody, to a friend, don't give that which is not valuable. One of the disciplines I have, I, I, I constantly maintain, is when I have to give a shirt or a suit out to anybody. I make sure that it is gone to the laundry. The same process I take it through when I'm wearing it. That's the same process I take it through. And there are suits that by the time I give them out, they are almost as new as uh, I first bought them. Very, very important. Learn to honor. When you honor, you give that which is valuable and precious, not just anything. Not just a shoe that you no longer need or you can never wear or nobody can even wear. That's the one you are sending out and say, I'm, I want to bless him. Listen, bless yourself. Three truths about honor in giving. One, God demands honor in giving. Somebody say, God demands honor in giving. God responds to honor in giving. God rewards honor in giving. All right, God demands honor in giving. If you look at the book of Genesis 4, verse 3 to 5, in the process of time, Genesis 4, please. Genesis 4, 3 to 5, the process of time came to pass that came brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the law. Abel also, somebody say Abel also. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord, somebody say and the Lord, respected Abel and his offering. So I've said that God demands honor in giving and God responds to honor in giving. Cain 
Pick anything and drop it. Take it. Oh God, he said, you are God. Just take it. Let me be free. By the way, listen. The honor in the thing they gave really is seen by the fact that this was not a demanded offering. When you go into scripture, there are various offerings. There's an offering God demanded. There's an offering people by revelation just presented to the Lord. This is not a demanded offering. When someone makes a demand, usually it will come with a specification. If I'm asking for something specific, I want this, I want this, it must have this, it must have this specification. That is a demanded offering. That's different. That you do it according to my specification and that is also associated with honor. But you see, you really appreciate the honor with which Abel brought what he brought to the Lord when you consider the fact that it was not demanded. They just decided of their own volition. Look at what they did. The Bible said he brought the best and the father of. And the Lord respected his offering. That was his response. And then the Lord rewarded his offering. You think giving does not bring reward? You are deceived. You are deceived. I have lived a life of generosity from my days as a student on campus. And I tell you, over the years, I have always appreciated. There is no year where my financial standing has been the same. Apart from the peace and the tranquility and the joy I have in my soul, there are many numerous benefits. I have not seen a consistent, generous soul who cannot attest to the authenticity that God rewards an honest giving. And we see it here. It's very clear. You see, the Bible said he respected Amen and his offering. And then, later on, we are told the brother became jealous. Why was he jealous? You think it's just the fact that God respected the offering and he was jealous? No. I believe that when he respected the offering, he must have given something unique to Abel that made the brother jealous. He looked at it and said, ah, so if I had gone that way, I could have received this. Then he became envious. Began to strive. So God responds all through scripture. You see that God is responding to honor. The man Noah brought an offering after the flood. The Bible said he took off every clean beast. Because under the Old Testament, there were things we were not supposed to offer unto God. He took every clean beast and offered it. And the Bible said the Lord smelled a sweet aroma. And I told you last year when I was teaching on one of those days, that when we give, the money stays here. Somebody said the money stays here. But the spirit and the attitude go to heaven. And that is what God looks at to reward you. The only thing that sends the money I'm there. One, the attitude with which the giver brought it. And then, the use of the money. That is what goes to God. When you give, and we use it to plant churches, like Sunyani Church is on last Sunday. They had a wonderful church. Twelve people were in service. Beautiful. Beautiful. For their first service, they have nine people joining them for service for the first time. When we use money to do things like that, everyone who planted a seed there is registered there. The Bible says that we do good, that we lay up in store for ourselves. I tell you, please, be a person of eternal value, not just earthly value. Buy the houses, build the, get the cars, but make sure your greatest investment is not here because your shortest life is here. Your shortest life is here. And don't get to heaven and be miserable. And by the way, your giving is not what is taking you to heaven, but your giving would be fine. The magnitude of your joy and your satisfaction in the presence of the Lord. So, it's key. No works of ours guarantees us a place in eternity. The works of Christ is enough to give us a place in heaven. But our works are the ones that will follow us to eternity. 
Your building will not follow you to eternity. Your cars will not follow you to eternity. And I can't say this enough because you need to hear it and hear it again. A lot of believers are saved, but their values are earthly and carnal. A Christian's value is different. A Christian's value. When we give, they say we are wasting the money. When we support ministry, they say we are wasting money. When we support uh, broadcast and people, they say we are wasting money. Yes, because everything we do in the eyes of the unsaved is foolishness. Everything we do in the eyes of the saved is just honor. Honor in God's presence. You go into a meeting with President Akufuado. If it's not done, you are not moving. You go into a meeting with President Akufuado, you won't go late. When you are actually late, when he steps in, you may not be allowed in. Honor. Listen. Honor, 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 honor. The greater part of my life, after being saved, if you take my salvation experience and growth experience, the greater part of my life, almost half of my life, has been ministry life. I entered the university when I was 18, and I started ministry from campus. All through until I finished the university at 23 or 24. No, 18. That's 22. I finished uni when I was 22. Yeah, all of that. So I have worked with this God small, small. And I've seen that those who learn to honor him, they will always go far. Those who learn to honor God and consistently so, consistently so, consistently so. Listen, when you work in honor and you learn to honor, people can see your beginning. They can't tell your end. I'm telling you, they can see your beginning. They can't tell your end. All right, so we're talking about honor. God demands honor and God responds to honor. And one way we honor God in giving is when we give him the first fruit. Somebody say the first fruit. Say the first fruit. The first fruit is an important offering. And until Christ comes, I will not stop teaching about the first fruit. I will not stop talking about the first fruit. Why? Because it is a communication of honor. When you teach it, some people say, oh, they are greedy. They want our money. I was telling the church I preached in this morning that it's not any time a pastor asks you for money, he's not after your money. He's after your life. Because anything that controls your heart controls your life. When your heart stops beating, do you have life? You don't have life. And he's a medical doctor, so he can tell you. You don't have life. Life ceases when they check your pulse. And is no longer responding. Your heart is no longer breathing. And the Bible says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So, when money is released, that's why anytime we talk about money, the emotions are released. Some people know my say, kotokon. You know kotokon? What do they call that animal? Porcupine. Porcupine. You know when porcupine, their husk stand out? It stands out alert when they come under attack. There are people when they come to church and you hear mention money. First fruit. <laughs> Comes. And these are the people who say they love God. They have not seen him. They don't know him. I don't have the liberty to talk about some of the things I give, particularly from the beginning of the year. But it's, uh, uh, the, the time will come where I will feel liberated in my spirit to share them with you. I really want you to appreciate that things don't happen in the kingdom accidentally. Accident is bad. That's why nobody prays for it. Accident. Accident. Things that happen accidentally most of the time are bad. Great things happen intentionally. Are you with me? Great things happen intentionally. 
That's why the Bible said, though your beginning is small, your end shall greatly increase. Because that's it. And that's why a lot of people despise great things. Only God with the first fruit. I have been preaching first fruit since we were in the school. There are some who have understood it and they do it. There are others who still don't understand it and they don't do it. But as a preacher, I keep on sowing the seed. You see, you are where you are because of your level of understanding. And you'll be where you'll be tomorrow because of your level of understanding. That is why the greatest currency in the spirit is understanding. Somebody say understanding. So Paul said, I pray that the eyes of the understanding will be enlightened. Will be enlightened. Over the years, as I've taught the subject, I've grown. When the Holy Spirit began to um, move us and shift us into this New Testament phase of our church, I was asking myself, okay, so where does this really fit? Upon meditating, reflecting, I realized that actually this thing still matters. I'm not communicating. There is one subject that is not Old Testament or New Testament. And that is the subject of generosity. Because that's the nature of God. Are you with me here? Generosity is not uh, whatever level of generosity is God's nature. That's why he said he loves a cheerful giver. Because every father loves to see his nature reflected and manifested in his children. My greater joy is when I see this man behind the altar ministering the word of God and ministering the spirit to people and lives are changed and liberated. That's my greatest joy. That's my greater joy. That's my greater joy. My greater joy and satisfaction is when I see my sons do more and better than what I'm doing for the Lord. That's my greatest joy. When you see your nature reflected on others, ask anybody who is in any professional capacity of repute. Their greatest joy, if they really understand what leadership is about, is when they see themselves, if he's a lawyer, when he raises a pupil and raises the person up and the person becomes a, a supreme court judge someday. Ah, that was my pupil. He started his law practice in my firm. I started, I, I coached him, I guided him. And this kind of thing I'm talking about is not something money can really buy for. So you can even go and buy a car, do whatever. There's no way the sense of fulfillment and joy, that act that you have done and raised another person to a certain place of significance and prominence, where they are also imparting others the joy, the fulfillment that brings. There's no amount of money that can fill in the place like that. I'm talking about first fruit. I'm talking about that which is first. Somebody say that which is first. That which comes before all things. Say that which comes before all things. That which is valuable. That which is costly. That is the first fruit. The first fruit in the Old Testament and in the New Testament means the same thing. That which is first that which comes before all things, that we precedes all others. In the book of Exodus, he said, whatever opened the matrix, what opens the matrix, what sets the stage, it's mine. You see, the mystery about the first fruit is that it's the first offering mentioned in scripture. It's the first offering mentioned in scripture. It's the first time somebody gave something to God. A human being gave something to God. And we are not told he brought a tithe. We are not told he brought a free will offering. He brought the first fruit. That is it. And the Bible said God had respect for it. God had respect for it. In other words, God really appreciated the fact that Abel will see him as the most important. So when you give the first fruit, that's what you are communicating. God, you are most important to me. You are valuable to me than any else. Not my job, not my money. You are valuable. You are the first in my life. So I look at it, I realize that God demanded first place in the old and he still demands first place in the new. 
Are you with me here? Yeah. It's not like God, his position has changed. Where he used to be in the world, he's no longer there. If you study your Bible well, you realize that God never changes. There are people who read the Old Testament and they are like, ah, it looks like God was different here. No, he wasn't different. Human beings were different. I am the Lord that changed not, therefore his sons of Jacob are not consumed. There is no book in the Bible where you can see God as a gracious God. All the books of the Bible. Every book of the Bible, the God of all grace is seen in it. Now I've told you, I'll talk about grace from the beginning. The gracious God. And I'll walk you through the various phases to see how gracious God is. This was the first offering in the Bible. Is that which sets the stage? That which is from the beginning. Alright? So when we talk about first fruit, we are talking about that which comes before all else. That which is first in time, order, or rank. That which is most important. That is what it means. And in our contest, when we talk about first fruit, we are talking about your first salary in a year. Somebody say my first salary in a year. Yeah, it's your first fruit. That is your first fruit. And then, of course, as you go through the year, any increase God gives you the first time is also your first fruit. So if you are operating a business, your profit from the beginning becomes your first fruit. If you are without a job, you, you start one. The first one you receive is a first fruit. If you used to be on a certain level, you are promoted to a new level. The difference in the pay rates is your first fruit. And that is it. Your first fruit is that all of these can symbolize or be uh, used to identify your first fruit. All of these are significant, different from what used to happen in the old four great truths about the first fruit. And I hang my boot. Four great truths about the first fruit. Four great fruit. The first one is the fact that it's the first offering mentioned in scripture. Somebody say the first offering mentioned in scripture. That is the first offering mentioned in scripture. The Bible says, by faith, Hebrews 11, 4, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. The first fruit sacrifice is the first offering mentioned in scripture. He gave by faith. Abel gave the offering by faith. Next week, I will talk about why we believe and practice the principle of a first fruit in our church. Amen? Yeah, because I appreciate the fact that some of us may have come from places where they don't have belief and confidence in some of these things I'm teaching, or they don't even know it at all. And so it's kind of new to you, and you don't understand it. And there are people here who also practice it, and they really don't understand it well. They don't do it with the kind of understanding with which we do what we do. And you need that understanding as well. That will be an extension of my teaching next week. But the first thing I want you to appreciate is that the first of mentioned in Scripture, we are told in the book of Exodus 13, verse 1 and 2, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Somebody say, all the firstborn. Say, all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth and make the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. Somebody say, it is mine. Exodus 13, 12, the New Living Translation. Quickly, let's read it together. You must to the Lord, for they belong they belong alright, Exodus 23, 19 the first of the first fruit of thy land, let's read it, the first of what? Thou shalt bring into the house no, you should put it in an investment account 
you should push it into something. You should use it to do a down payment for your land. He says, the first of the first fruit of a land, you shall bring it into the house of the Lord. Thou shalt not sit a kid in his mother's womb. Of course, uh, the same Exodus 32, 34, verse 26. The first of the first fruit of thy land, thou shalt bring it to the house of the Lord. Thou shalt not seed it. Now, Deuteronomy 15, 19 to 20. Look at this. If the firstborn animal of a cow or sheep or goat is a male, it must be given to you. The Lord, don't put firstborn cattle to work. In other words, don't go and use them. Don't chop from it. Don't cut wool from the firstborn sheep. Verse 20. Pastor, if I do, what will happen? Uh, I leave God to deal with that. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> he said, instead, look at this. He said, instead, each year you must take what? The first of these animals to the place where the Lord your God chooses to be worshipped. Take it there. You and your family will sacrifice there. That is the first fruit you are talking about. Number two, the first fruit is a sacrificial offering. Is what? It's an offering that costs you something. It costs you something. It's not an easy to give offering. The first fruit offering. The Bible said, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. A more what? Excellent. Sacrifice. Oh, it was an excellent. But he did it by faith because it cost him something. It will cost you something. Pick up your whole one-man check and say, I'm giving it. It's costly. It's painful. But sacrifice also have dividends. God gave us his first fruit. And the dividends is that today he has too many first fruits. When Jesus was born, he was the first fruit. Do you know that Jesus was the first man to be born again? The Bible says he's the first begotten. He was the first fruit, God's first fruit. And when he gave the first fruit, God gave the first fruit. Till tomorrow, he's still reaping from his first fruit. I'm not communicating here. Generationally, sacrificial giving sets you up for generational blessings. I'm not communicating here. Yeah, sacrificial giving over time. This present generation is a now-now generation. Whatever we sow, we want to reap it today. I must eat of my own investment. If I don't chop for my medicine, I can't uh, labor for another person to eat. You are not smart. You are not smart. Smart people don't just invest for them to eat. They invest for them to participate and for others to come and eat. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. There are things we do in our lifetime. We may not see the material returns from it, but the generations after us will see it. And by the way, even if you forget about the material returns, in eternity, we will be seeing the returns of all our investments. All of our investments, all in eternity. That's what I'm telling you that your greatest, greatest, greatest difference in your life as a Christian is your level of understanding and maturity. When you understand spiritual things and mature in spiritual things, life is exciting. The Christian life is great. So it's a sacrificial offering. The Bible says that those who sow in tears, they shall reap what? Joy. That is sacrifice. Sacrifice is that which is costly. Give me some one, two, six, King James verse, verse one. He said, when the Lord turned what? Again, the captivity of Zion, we were like them that what? He has almost turned the thing upside down. When the Lord turned our captivity, when he comes to the end, he tells you how to provoke a turnaround of your captivity. 
He said, when the Lord turned the captivity, we were like them that dream. Verse 2. He said, that was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said they among the hidden, the Lord had done great things. 2023, in a year of grace, God will do great things. My God will do great things. My God will do amazing things. I feel it. I sense it. I see it. God will do amazing things in your life. Strange opportunities, strange doors of favor. But which will only be described as the grace of God at work. That is the only thing I'm expecting God to do in your life. I'm not expecting things that are normal, ordinary. No, I'm expecting things that are supernatural. Things that can only be credited to the grace of God. People will look at you and they say, the speed between the time you started and where you are, the speed is too much. And you will tell them, listen, I am where I am by the grace of God. 2023, may my God bring you to that place. May my God bring you into that experience. In the mighty name of Jesus. So he said, the Lord has done great things, whereof we are glad. Verse 4, he says, turn again our captivity. God turned our captivity, first one. Then he says, turn again our captivity as the streams in the south. Then he says, this is the pathway to get God to turn your captivity again. Then that so in tears shall reap in what? Joy. Go to verse 6. He said, he that goeth forth and weepeth. Weep it, weep it, weep it. That since when we sow, we don't we don't look cheerful. We weep. If you've not sown seeds like that, you don't understand. But we sow seeds that as is leaving your hand, virtue leaves you. But when it comes to the principle of seed time and harvest, whatever you sow, the seed that you plant never leaves your life. It enters your future where it creates a beautiful harvest for you. When you plant a seed, somebody said, the seeds I sow, they never leave my life. It leaves my hand, but it never leaves my life. It enters my future and creates a bountiful harvest. Not just for you, but your children. That's what God does. He says, he shall bring forth, he shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheep with him. When you sow in tears, it's guaranteed. God is too faithful to fail. This year, you will see his miraculous service. You will see his miraculous intervention. Number three, it is different from the tithe and other free will offerings. The first fruit offering is unique, it's different. Look at this. Nehemiah 12, verse 44. And at that time, some appointed, were some appointed over the chambers for the treasures, for the offerings. Look at that. For the offerings for the first fruit and for the tithes. Okay, so he tells you for the offerings for the first fruit and the tithe. That establishes a clear difference. 37, that is 10, Nehemiah 10, 37. And we shall bring the first fruit of our dough, our offerings and the first fruit of all manner of trees and of wine and of oil unto the priest, the chambers of the house of God and the tithes of our ground unto the Levites, that the Levites may have tithes in all cities of our tillage. Somebody say it's different from the tithe. And other forms of giving. Second Chronicles 31 verse 5. He says, as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance. They brought in what? They brought in abundance what? The first fruit of corn and wine and oil and of all the increase of the fields and the tide of all things brought they in abundantly. So you see the difference. Are you following what I'm teaching? Yeah. I really, 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 really want you to understand first fruits. As I am teaching it, not some frivolous thing that somebody who is not disciplined in mind to study the Bible is sharing on social media. 
I'm one person who really doesn't care about what is happening on social media and what people are communicating on social media. I don't communicate on social media. I communicate to a congregation. On social media, there are all kinds of people there. I communicate to people whose spirits have been made alive, who are open to the wisdom of God. Those are the people I communicate with. So I appreciate the happenings on social media, but that's not my place of communication. Praise the Lord. And we are on it because it's a platform to reach people. But the word of God must be taught as it is. So that's it. And listen, everything we do in the kingdom of God is only of value when we do it with understanding. Are you with me here? Yeah, I want you to understand it. If you don't, it's not about the money. It's about the heart and the attitude and the understanding before the money goes. He said the one who brought forth fruit is the one who heard the word, understood it, and then he brought forth fruit. Not the one who heard it and just began to run. No, no, no. Get an understanding about this principle. I'm teaching it and I'm giving you a New Testament perspective to what I'm teaching. Uh, one of the references I use in the church I preached in this morning is Romans chapter 15, verse 4. He said, For whatever was written aforetime was written for our learning, that we through the comfort and patience of the scriptures might obtain hope. Everything that is written in the Bible is designed to instruct you in some way. Those who don't know the Bible, those who get frustrated in their work with God, they are the people who divide the Bible and say, this is New Testament, this is Old Testament. The Bible is one book. Somebody says it's one book. It has one author. It has one message, which is Christ. That's the Bible. That's the Bible. The Bible is Old Testament, New Testament, one book. It has one message and it has one author. All scripture was given by the inspiration of God. And by the way, when Apostle Paul said all scripture was given by the inspiration of God, he was not speaking about Ephesians, he was not speaking about Galatians, he was not speaking, because none of those things were deemed as scripture by those folks. When Paul was there, Galatians was not a scripture. It was a letter. He had written. Praise the Lord. And he didn't know that someday it would be considered as scripture. All the scriptures they knew were the Old Testament scrolls. And he says that when that scripture is expounded well, people come to saving knowledge in Christ. Number five, number four as I close, is an annual and seasonal offering. Somebody says an annual and seasonal offering. Say the first fruit offering is an annual and seasonal offering. Yeah. You see, every year God gives you an opportunity to begin afresh and that gives you an opportunity to plant the first fruit because the first fruit is beginning. The first fruit is first in place. The first fruit is first in order. That's what it is. Nehemiah 10.35 He says, And to bring the first fruit of your ground and the first fruit of all fruit of all trees year by what? Year by what? To where? To the house of the Lord. That's what scripture says. So look at this. Deuteronomy 15, 19 to 20. Deuteronomy 15, 19 to 20. The CEV, please give me that as I close. If the firstborn animal of a cow or sheep or goat is male, it must be given to the Lord. Don't put firstborn animal to cattle or work from the firstborn sheep. Instead, each what? Each what? Here, you must take the firstborn of these animals to the place where the Lord shall choose. Am I communicating here? That says the word of the Lord. Paul said something which has instructed and guided me as a pastor. He said, I have no son to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. I have not kept back anything that is profitable for you. And I pray that God will give you understanding and revelation. I want you to pray and say, Father, I thank you this morning. Uh, for the privilege of your word. Thank you for light and illumination. Thank you for revelation about honor and thank you for the first fruits. Lord, thank you that this year 
I have grace. I told you that grace is not just unmerited favor. Grace is also capacity to do something. And God is giving you grace. If you have never done it before, God is releasing grace to you through this teaching to be able to practice it from this year. Open your mouth and speak to God briefly. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. <speaking in Hebrew> Lord, we thank you today. We give you praise. We give you glory. We honor you for your word. Thank you for grace. Thank you for transformation. Thank you that you have changed our level from glory to glory in Jesus' precious name. Thank you that as we honor you today and this season with our first fruit, thank you, Lord, that your promises are being fulfilled in our lives, that doors of great opportunities are opening for us, that we walk in harvest, we walk in prosperity, we walk in peace, we walk in tranquility, we walk in all-round tranquility. We honor you and we give you praise in Jesus' matchless name. Shout an amen. amen. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no, no, no.